Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to join us. We're starting a brand new series here called Next. This is part one. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. I encourage you guys to stay standing for a moment. I have a passage of scripture that I'm going to read. And then we're going to just clap our hands. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, someone say all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest of us, we are by nature deserving of wrath. But, someone shout but. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Come on, somebody. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Come on, somebody. In order that the coming ages he might be shown the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness through Jesus. For it is by grace, one more time, you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It's a gift from God. How many guys know there's nothing you can do to earn the grace of God? It's a gift, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. Let's just clap our hands to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody. Thank you so much, worship team guys can be seated. Man, we're so glad you guys could be here. If this is your first time here, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here, and we just want you to know that we love you. We're for you. We've been praying for you, and we're just so happy you could be here. Anyone happy to be here this morning? Come on, make some noise. Let me hear you if you're happy to be in the house of the Lord. Man, we just uh, finished a series, Relationship Rehab. Anyone that help anyone? Come on, somebody. You guys can be louder than that, unless it didn't help, in which... You can be silent. Um, Something super special happened in our household last week. Uh, We got a brand new table in our house. Come on, somebody. Uh, Now, what you need to understand is that before we had this new table, um, our new table that we got is rectangle. The one that we had before was a circle. And it was a circle table, but it only had three chairs. Now, if you guys know anything about life, generally speaking, you don't have three people at a table most of the time. Right? There's always like four, sometimes there's two, but three is just an odd number. And so the table was extremely inconvenient, and so finally I convinced Christy that it's time for a new table. And so this last, we got a new table, a rectangle table that now has six seats instead of three. How many of you guys know the Lord wants to double your inheritance? Come on, somebody. But it was, it was super cool because we did the whole thing through Facebook Marketplace. Anyone in this room use Facebook Marketplace before? Come on, I love the Facebook Marketplace. I love technology. Uh, It's so cool because not only can you buy things on the Facebook Marketplace, you can sell things, come on. And so as soon as we made that deal, as soon as we bought the brand new table, uh, we immediately put all of our old stuff up for sale on Facebook Marketplace. And now I'll preface with this. When I sell things on Facebook Marketplace, I'm the worst. I don't make any qualms about it. I'm just here to tell you guys how I do it. And so the reason that I'm like this, I'll explain it in a second, is because I've been burnt before by having things sit in my garage for months. Because if you guys ever got the like, hey, is this still available? And you're hoping that someone's going to pick it up, but they never actually get back to you. 
Does that happen to anyone? So this is what my strategy, this is what I do now. Uh, in any case, if anyone hits me with the, hey, is this still available? I respond the same way to everyone. I say, yes. I say, but I'm giving it to the person that can get here the fastest. I said, there's no loyalty in me. Whoever gets here first, I'm giving you the furniture. And so um, this last week with my old furniture, I was playing like four people against each other. And I was just like, hey, like this one person was like, man, like, please, I can get a truck in three days. I'm like, three days is fine, but I'm not making guarantees. And so I literally said, whoever gets here first, you guys get my table. And so what I did, um, just that was the strategy I went by. And so this guy hit me up last Friday, uh, asked all the normal questions, and then he said, okay. And I said, when can you be here? Because I'm getting rid of this thing to the person who can get here first. He said, I can be there in 30 minutes. I said, it's yours. And so literally, from the time in which this guy hit me with the, hey, are you interested, 40 minutes had passed by, and he was at my house loading everything in. I love Facebook Marketplace. In fact, as he was loading things in, I even said, hey, I got this black old ottoman. You want it for free? He said, sure. And he loaded it in. I'm like, come on, somebody. And so and then after church, um, the next, this was last, that was Friday, I sold my stuff. Then after church last week, I went and picked up our new table. And our new table was found in a place in St. Albert. It was at a place in St. Albert. It was someone they were moving. And so we left this place. I literally just typed in the address, put my GPS on the little stand, and we started driving. And as I was driving, I was super happy. You guys ever have that moment, like when you know you made a good choice? And you're just driving, it's like, yeah. And I was a little bit more excited because I had to convince Chris to get the tables because she didn't really want the table. But I knew that as soon as we had the table, it was going to be amazing. And so I'm driving there, I'm smiling, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, this is so good. Love Facebook Marketplace. I'm looking at my GPS, following my GPS, and then I had this stark realization. I wondered to myself, because I began to think back of the Friday, and that guy got to my house in 40 minutes, and I'm about to get to this person's house in eight minutes. And I began asking myself, how did people get to each other's houses, strangers' houses, before GPS? You guys ever wonder this? You guys like, how old is this pastor? <laughs> but listen, because like, I understand like, if something is on like 132nd Street and 47th Avenue. Like, you can figure it out. But like 326 Elmer Way and like 14 like, Gerard Crescent. I'm like, how did you find these places without GPS? <laughs> the map. <laughs> and I just began to realize, I was like, man, like, that probably took a very long time. To have to like actually find these places. Like, like as far back as I go, like I remember my mom used to print out Google Maps, like from the internet. And like so literally like it had the step-by-step thing going on. But like, man, I just I'm driving there, I'm super excited. I'm just saying, man, I think that the GPS is probably one of the greatest inventions that's ever been invented. Like it just saves us so much time. And then I just, you know, we had finished relationship rehab, and I began to think to myself, man, I wonder how many relationships the GPS has saved. Have you guys ever driven somewhere with a friend and they're giving you directions? And it's kind of like, oh my gosh, left, no, left, no, right, I'm so sorry. And it's funny because like with friends giving us directions, we kind of like, it's like a little bit of grace, right? It's like, oh, whatever, he's an idiot. <laughs> but like our spouses or our partners, if they give us bad directions, it's World War III. You guys experience that? It's like, you are the worst driver. And it's like, and so I'm just like, man, how many marriages has the GPS saved? And I just love the GPS. And so... One of the coolest things the GPS has, have you guys ever experienced it, is you can actually preview the route. Have you guys seen that? And so you type in where you want to go, and you can actually literally look at your whole route step 
by step by step. It tells you exactly what to do next. Can I ask you guys a question? How many guys would like in life if you had something that could tell you exactly what to do next? Like if just step by step by step, you knew exactly what was next. We're starting a brand new series here at church called Next. And I'm super excited for this series because what I want us to do is I want us to answer the big question. It's a question I think that so many of us answer, so many of us ask, no matter how old we are, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter what our job is, or no matter what our family status is, all of us at some point will ask this question, what's next? What's next? And one thing I've realized when it comes to us as humans, I think something that causes us so much stress, something that causes us so much anxiety, something that we see in the car sometimes, is there is nothing more unnerving than not knowing what is next. And I just have this feeling, I have this belief, and I think the reason the Lord's about to take us on a journey these next four weeks is because there are many people who are asking themselves, man, what's next? What's my next step? What, what, what does life look like? And I'm of the belief, and I just believe this to be true, that God has a next for each and every one of us. God has a specific answer for your life. God has a specific answer for your situation. God wants us to know what's next. And so what we're going to do over the next number of weeks is we are going to break this down very practically. How can I determine what is next in my life? But before we get into things, what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of give us a general overview for this series. Because I believe that there is one big thing in life that if we do not understand it, we will not be able to see what's next. And so where I want to go this morning, I want to start in a book of the Bible called Ephesians. Now before we get to Ephesians, I'll give you guys a little bit of context about what we're about to read and what we have just read. Ephesians is a book of the Bible written by a man named Paul. Now, Paul, if you're new to church, he's someone in church world and Christianity. He's kind of famous. Paul has written over half of the New Testament. He was one of the early leaders in the church. He was an apostle. He was an evangelist. He was a church planter. And so Paul writes this book called Ephesians. And now, what's interesting for anyone that knows anything about Paul's writings is generally speaking, when Paul would write a book, he was writing to a specific issue a lot of times, or there was a problem, or there was something that he has to address. In 1 Corinthians, it's immorality. He's like, I gotta address this. Galatians, it's circumcision. I gotta, I gotta talk about this. But the book of Ephesians, what separates it from most other books is that there is not a general issue that Paul is addressing. Instead, the book of Ephesians is written to Christians in general to explain the great themes of Christianity. In essence, the book of Ephesians is kind of like this. You have Jesus in your life. What's next? What's next? And so for this series, we'll see how many weeks we're in Ephesians, but I want to at least start here in Ephesians. And so what we're going to do this morning, we just read this morning 10 verses. We read verses 1 to 10. Now, generally speaking, when I preach, I start at the beginning and I make my way towards the end. That's kind of how we read for those of you guys who aren't in the first grade yet. Um, but what I want to do this morning is I actually want to kind of start at the end. I want to start in Ephesians 2 verse 10, and I want to make our way backwards. And we'll kind of, I'll explain it in a second. But Ephesians 2.10, this is a very famous verse. This is a verse many people have memorized. People have brought it to heart. And this verse has really two things. It's a declaration, and it's a promise. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, for we are God's handiwork." created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared 
in advance for us to do. Other translations, you may have heard it said, it says, we are God's masterpiece. You are literally God's work of art. Touch the person next to you, look at them, and say, the Mona Lisa, say it, the Mona Lisa has nothing on you. Come on, somebody. It says, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do a good work. And man, this sounds so good because the essence of what this verse is saying is two things. It's saying, number one, you have so much value. You are so worthy. And guess what? God has a plan for you. This is a promise. And it sounds so good. And it's the end. And it's this verse that we have memorized. I'm God's masterpiece. Yes, 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 yes. But I just look around sometimes and I wonder how many of us actually live in the reality of Ephesians 2.10. Where we know that we're worthy. We know that we have purpose. Because if this verse is a promise and a declaration, what that means is it should give us confidence. It should, say, it should give us this confidence that says, you know what, I don't know exactly what's next, but I know that in Christ I have purpose. I know in Jesus there's plans for my life. I don't know what's next, but God, come on, somebody. And it sounds so good, but I wonder how many of us are actually able to live in the reality of Ephesians 2.10, where we believe that we have a plan and God has purpose for our lives. Because I look around sometimes and I see so many people and they're like, you know what? I have no idea why I'm on this earth. Instead of this idea that God has something prepared in advance for us, that God has something good for us, it's like, oh my gosh, I need toilet paper because Corona's coming. <laughs> Who'd that one hit? I don't understand why you need toilet paper, but that's, a, that's another story. God says, I have a plan and I have a purpose, but so many of us live in fear. So many of us live with this idea, like, man, like if I'm not a millionaire by 30, I don't actually think my life has success. If I'm not retired by this age, if I'm not in a relationship by this age, then I'm a failure. And so God says, man, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. But instead of living in purpose and in power, so many of us live in fear and trepidation and uncertainty. I don't know what's next. And so if Ephesians 2.10 is where God wants to get us, and I believe that God wants to get us there, God wants us to get us, and he wants us to understand in our hearts that we have value, we have purpose. But I believe that Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 9, actually gives us a roadmap for how to get there. And so it's easy to end on Ephesians 2.10, but I want to start there because I want you guys to see what next looks like in your life. Can I tell you what next is for you? It's purpose and it's power. But let's get there. Anyone want to get there this morning? Come on, somebody. Let's go to verse 1 for a moment. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are so disobedient. You're like, oh my gosh, so encouraging. It's fantastic. But it's so interesting because I love that before Paul can get to God's masterpiece, he starts with you were dead in your sins and your transgressions. Why does Paul start there? I think the reason that Paul starts there is because there's this reality that says before we can move forward, we have to acknowledge what was. For some of us, what is. 
Before God's masterpiece, it's you were dead. It's, it's this stark realization, but I want us to see how verses, verses 4 to 10 get us there. But what I want us to see, what I want us to understand, what I want us to put in our spirit is this as we get going this morning. All of us have a past. All of us have a past. I have a past. You have a past. Paul says, as for you, you were dead. But here's the thing that I want us to notice. Here's the thing that I want us to pull out of this verses. We understand we have a past, but look what Paul says. And this is very intentional. He says, as for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions, in which you used to live. I don't think it's any coincidence that Paul uses a past tense verb. He says, this is who, and here's the crazy thing. As Paul wrote this letter, there is no way that he knows every single person that would read this letter. He can't look at their history and say, well, let me find out if you actually are still dead. But Paul here is making a declaration. He says, when Jesus comes into life, you were dead. He says this based on verse 4. He says, but because of his great love for us, God, someone shout, but God. He says, you were dead, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Come on, somebody. I love this language. Every single one of us has a past. That's what he's saying. But what he's saying is that your past does not disqualify you from having a future. Because of God. Because of his great love, because of his mercy. And look what he says. It says, our God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead. You know what that means? That means that Jesus wants to come and meet you in the middle of your mess. That means that Jesus wants to come and meet you wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through. It doesn't matter how far you have run. It doesn't matter how deep you have gone. Jesus comes to meet us in the midst. And Jesus wants to turn our hours, or ours, you are dead, into you were dead. But God, but God, someone shout, but God. God. When Jesus comes into our lives, you are, becomes you were. Now here's the point I want us to make as we start this morning, it's this. Our past isn't our prison. Our past isn't our prison. You see, what we're doing in this series is we're, this morning, I should say, is that we're bringing out the big issue. Because unless we understand this big issue, everything that we do from here on in this series won't make sense. And I just happen to believe that one of the biggest reasons that so many of us can't move forward, one of the biggest reasons that so many of us cannot step into purpose, one of the reasons we cannot believe that I am God's masterpiece is because of our past. We say, well, people really knew who I was. If people really experienced it, then they, there's just no way. But what Paul is saying is our past does not have to be our prison. You see, I think what happens for so many of us is we define ourselves by seasons in our lives. You know what this looks like? It's like, man, I fail one time, therefore I'm a failure. I lose one time, therefore I'm a loser. And so what happens is so many of us, we carry around these labels And these labels go to us, no matter where we go to, from situation to situation to situation, we carry around our past. But what I want to do this morning, before we can step into what is next, we have to acknowledge what was. Our past. But what I want to say this morning is that our past does not have to become our prison. Prince, if you're in the back there, can you bring my backpack up to me? I need it for a second. 
I'm going to show you guys something. Because the reality of what this verse says, what this verse says is that when Jesus comes, when Jesus meets you in the midst of your mess, do you want to know what he does? He takes your mess. He takes it away. He, throw, he casts it away. But you want to know what so many of us do instead of believing that? Instead of believing that God casts away our sins, you know what so many of us do? We wear it. We wear it like a backpack. And when I walk around with this backpack, people wonder how old I am. <laughs> but when you don't have an office, you have to keep everything on your back. But you see what happens for so many of us, there's this reality that God says, man, I'm going to take your past and I am going to actually get rid of it. It's no more. I don't see you like that. But what happens and the trick of the enemy is that the enemy wants us to keep that past with us everywhere that we go. And so for so many of us, I'm preaching it to your soul, man, your past is not a prison, but what happens is we carry this baggage around. We carry this baggage around, and what happens is as we try to move forward, we're going to that next job in our lives, and we're believing that God has something for us, but we can't help but feel there's a weight on our back. You guys ever been there? We, we want to move to our next relationship, but we just can't help but feel like there's this weight on our back. And so what happens for so many of us is we let our past become a prison. Because no matter what people say to us, no matter what our next situation looks like, we can't help but feel like there is something attached to us. You guys have all wore a backpack before? You feel it. There's a weight. And the reality of what this is, it becomes a part of our identity. It becomes a part of who we are. And so what happens is that we cannot hear anything else. Because all we can do is feel this. We feel the past, and the past is heavy, and the past weighs us down. And so our past becomes a prison. And we say to ourselves, man, if God is really who he says he is, why do I feel like this? And the reason we feel like this is because we refuse to let go. And so we carry it. Do you guys want to know another way that we carry things? It's through comparison. You know what comparison looks like? It's like, man, if Jesus is who he says he is, if, God, if there's freedom in his name, if I am truly his masterpiece, why does my life not look like their life? Why is God using them, but he's not using me? Why are they getting blessed when I'm not getting blessed? And you know what that is? That's another backpack. It's something we can't carry around, that we carry around. You know what helps to keep this going? It's social media. Come on, somebody. It's funny, I heard someone describe social media like this. As we all know, and, and I say it sometimes too, social media is our highlight reel, right? It's like all of our wins, all of our victories, all of our best meals, all of us smiling. Um, but the reality is this. It wasn't really meant to be anything different. There, there is nothing inherently wrong with showing your highlights. In fact, I think it'd be really weird if you showed all the times you messed up. People don't want to see you no filter sometimes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I love the way that one person described it. Because he said, as humans, we've always been like this. He's like, think back to photo albums. You guys know photo albums? Like, come on. <laughs> like, any of you guys have grandparents? <laughs> Maybe your parents. Um, and photo albums, were the same thing. They sh we, sh we showed our highlights, right? It was our family vacations. It was us smiling. And, and you know, like, how people pose for pictures and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's so social media. Like, I remember my parents, they went to, like, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. This is before Instagram. They still took the photo, like, where you're leaning against it. 
And so there's just something in us where we want to manufacture these moments, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here is where social media and the photo album differ. We never woke up every single morning looking at a photo album. We didn't look at other people's photo albums 60 hours a week. That's where it, nothing wrong with the highlights, but the problem for so many of us is that we look at these things so much they now become reality. And we think that is what life is. And so a part of us, we begin to compare. We say, man, well, my life does not look like that. And so therefore, I can't be God's masterpiece. Therefore, I don't think I have a next. And so we carry it around. But what we don't understand is that when we compare, it's only a part of the picture. It's so funny. Christy, my wife, um, we just had uh, twins, girls, beautiful. Um, And so, you know, she's always posting the cute pictures uh, because they're pretty dang cute. And uh, it's funny, like, I was just reading her comments a little while ago, and uh, someone just said something like, you're the best mom, you're killing it. And uh, I'll preface, she is the best mom, and she is killing it. She has twins, and she came up here and preached two weeks ago. Come on, somebody. Yeah, and that was, and that was like our most watched stuff ever, because she's the best. Um, she is killing it. But I read that comment from this person um, just praising her. And it was so interesting because that person or that comment has never actually seen her be a mother. She's like, you're the best mother ever. She's never seen our kids. How does she know? Right? Like, and that's what, that's what it does. Social media paints a part of the picture. The girls are smiling, so it's like, wow, you're a great mom. But for all she really knows, they could have been crying 23 and a half hours a day. It's just a, a part of the picture. You guys see what I'm saying? And so for so many of us, when it comes to what God wants to do in our lives, what comes to what God wants next for us, we're comparing ourselves to other people. And so we now begin to wear it. We wear it like a background. In the same way our past becomes a prison, you know what else is a prison? Our perception. It's how we see things. It's how we see people. It becomes a prison. And so we wear it around and it becomes so heavy. You guys ever felt heavy before? You ever met someone you can just tell they're heavy? They're carrying something around. You want to speak life into them, but you can tell there's a weight on their back. I want to get into this series. I want to show what God has next for us. But we need to first understand our situation, and that is that our past does not have to become a prison. We don't have to wear this backpack. We don't have to wear this weight. You want to know why? Because of God. Because of Jesus. Because there is someone who says, you know what, that weight is just too much for you to carry. You don't have to carry. Matthew, Matthew 11, they can say it better than I can say. This is Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know what he says? Jesus says, give it to me. He says, this weight was too heavy. You were never meant to carry it. And so Jesus takes it. And suddenly I'm free. And so suddenly when Jesus has that, when I give Jesus my perceptions, when I give Jesus my past, I can begin to hear what people have to say about me. I can begin to hear what God thinks about me. I can begin to believe I am a masterpiece. I'm not defined by the past. I'm not defined by that backpack. I never was meant to be. If that was supposed to be a part of me, God would have created it with me. But it comes off. Can I speak to someone this morning? No matter what you have in your life, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've gone, it comes off. 
It comes off because of one person. His name is Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you. If you're feeling something, if you're feeling heavy, if you're feeling like it's too much, give it to me. You were never meant to bury that, to carry that burden. You were never meant to. Your sin, your shame is too heavy. You see, Jesus gives us a past tense. You were, you are becomes you were. You are dead in your sins becomes you were. That's no longer my story anymore. Yes, you were. You were. You know what that means? That means that I need to start changing my vocabulary. I need to start believing that God has something for my life. I need to start believing Ephesians 2.10. I need to start believing that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, that God wants to do more in my life than I can ever dream or ever even imagine. You know what I want to encourage you to take out of your vocabulary? Can't. I can't do this. I can't let it go. I can't forgive. I'm not good enough. I'm never. What if we turn never into not yet? I always encourage people, man. Can I tell you guys something? As this church, we believe that lives are changed in this place. We believe that God is breaking chains and changing lives. And we also believe that every single one of us has people in our lives that we want to experience that goodness. We want to experience that grace. And I talk to so many people, and they're like, man, my, my, my mom, she would never come here. My coworker, they would never step foot in here. You know what I say? Not yet. Come on, somebody. Not yet. Not yet. You, want, you know why I can say that with confidence? It's because we have so many people that at one time was never, and now they're here. It's not yet. Jesus has come to me. Because I'm going to change everything. I'm going to change everything. I want us to see this too. This is so important about our past. In verse 3, it says, All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. All of us were like this. You guys see that? All of us have a past. All of us were dead in our sins. All of us. All of us. Touch the person next to you and say, you. He's talking about you. All of us. Can I just be straight up for a second? I think sometimes in church, come on, somebody, if your past was like a few years ago, we try to pretend like there was no past. Like, what do you mean? I'm saved and sanctified. (laughs) Paul says, all of us. You know why he says that? Because if you begin to forget that you had a past, you're going to become very judgmental. You're going to lack empathy. You're going to lack compassion. Because it's like, man, how could they? And this happened to me a few months back. I have, uh, there's a pastor I knew, and he was going through some things, some sin, and I just got on my high horse. And I was like, mm 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 Man of God, I don't think so. Like, he would never. And I just felt the Lord slap me upside the head. And he said, I didn't know you were that righteous, pastor. He said, I, I know where you were when I found you. I know what you did last week. Come on, somebody. All of us. And so what this does, this puts us on an even playing field. And so what that means as a church, as a body of believers, we can actually begin to bear each other's pasts. There should be no shame in sharing where we came from. I was a mess, but God. And when we can begin to share that, we will begin to see lives change. But here's the reality. That backpack, it's not on me, but I also don't want to lose sight. Because I need to remember where I came from. I need to remember what God has done. I need to remember that God is the one carrying it, not me. Because that gives me compassion. 
to say, man, whatever you're going through, I'm going to be there for you because I know one day you're not going to wear that anymore because I used to wear that. I believe God has a next for you. God has a next. What if as a church we existed for each other, free of guilt, free of shame, but pushing forward to us next? And so he says this. He says, and God, he continues, it's by grace, by grace. He says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here's the beauty of this verse. When Jesus comes into our lives, he doesn't just save you and leave you. Like, all right, you're saved, I'll see you in heaven. He says that God actually seats us. What that means is God actually gives us honor. God actually gives us purpose. God doesn't just save us. God saves us and brings us somewhere. He says, you're not going to wear that anymore. You want to know why? Because I actually have a plan for you. It is to do something amazing. It is to be seated in the heavenly realms. I love that. And he says this. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Listen to this. This is what he's saying, because some of us are sitting here, we're saying, Pastor, this is too good to be true. Pastor, I'm not sure I can believe this. Amy, can you give me some keys for a second? I'm not sure I can believe that, that, that God can just wipe away my past, because you don't know what I did last weekend. You don't know what I did last night. But he says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God. You know what a gift is? It's something that you were given and you didn't do anything to deserve it. It was given to you. God does not take our sins. God does not take our shame because of anything other than he is a good, good father. Anything other than because he loves you more than you could ever believe. And so our job, church, when it comes to putting shame, comes to putting perceptions behind moving towards next, it's just believing, you know what? He's actually a good, good father. I just need to believe it. I just need to believe it. I just need to believe all I have to do is call in the name of Jesus and I will be saved. I will be sanctified. It's funny, I was, I was um, just this week, I was listening to music um, and I was carrying uh, my twins, the girls. And... Uh, Anyone that, you know, has babies and kids and stuff, you just know that um, the love that you have for a baby is very hard to describe. Because um, I love many things, but the love for a baby is different than other kinds of loves. And I was just holding these babies, and I was just listening to, to, to some music, and I just kind of had this thought cross my head, and it was just like, man, like, I would do anything for these kids. Like, I love these babies so much, and they don't even acknowledge me. I would just, I would do anything for them. And I just, I love them so much. And I was just thinking, I was meditating on that thought. And I felt the Lord speak to me. And he said, that's the exact same way I feel about you. It's the love of a father. Why would God just erase my past? Why would God just say, give it to me, I'll take it? It's because he's a good, good father. It's because it's a love that you can't even describe. It's a love that we do not earn. It's a love that we could not deserve, but God gives it to us freely. Listen, friends, we're talking about past perceptions. Some of us need to move past the past when it comes to religion. What's religion? Religion says, this is what I must do to be saved. This is what I must do in order for God to accept me. That's religion, but Jesus is something completely different. Because Jesus comes and says, no, 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 you're wicked, you're wretched, you're a mess, but I love you. 
And all you have to do is come to me, call on my name, and I will forgive you. That's the gospel. We need to believe it. Because once we can begin to believe that, then we can get to Ephesians 2.10 where it says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance. We're going to break down this understanding more in this series, but I want us to understand this big picture. Let's believe it. Let's believe that Jesus is for you. Let's believe that Jesus has something for you. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Can I, can I tell you guys something real quick? Can I talk about baptism for a second? I think there's people in this church haven't been baptized yet. Um, in fact, I know there are. And a lot of the reason is like, man, I'm not sure I'm at the place yet in my life. Like I haven't studied enough. I don't quite understand um, just the nuances of the Trinity quite well enough yet to get baptized. Whatever it is. You know what baptism is? Baptism is simply the expression that says, I accept the gift of Jesus. I believe it. That's it. I don't know a lot. I may not be perfect, but I believe it. That's what baptism is. And so if you're in this room, if you have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you. Well, pastor, I got baptized when I was two years old. That's fantastic. But do you know who really enjoyed that? Your family. Not you. You don't remember it. They enjoyed it, but baptism by immersion, baptism, what we do here is your personal decision. To say, I'm going to step out and I'm going to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm just going to believe it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. I love this. I'm going to finish on this. God has something for each and every one of us in this room. In advance. You know what that means? That means at just the right time, God has something for you. I wonder if this series is the series that you begin to step into the purpose that God has for your life. I wonder if it's today you say, you know what, it's week one of growth track. I want to find out what my purpose is. I'm going to take that leap. I wonder if it's in this series where like, you know what, man, I'm going to start believing for what's next. I'm going to start believing that God wants to do use me to do the miraculous. I want to start to believe that God has someone in my life that I'm going to bring to him because God's prepared something in advance for us. Which, what that means is that all we have to do is step into it. All we have to do is say, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing. God, use me. God, use me. I love you. God, use me. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. Come on, church, let's stand for a moment. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to see you in person. So plan your visit today. Until next time, take care.